Hey, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Lockwood. And if you ever look around your house and wonder where the heck did all this stuff come from and how am I ever going to get it out, you are in the right place. I'm a mom of five who decluttered her home back in 2013 when my family and I decided to move from Alaska to Florida with one suitcase each. And I do not recommend it. What I do recommend is learning how to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist which means learning to find the balance of what your family needs and wants without it being so much that it overwhelms you on a daily basis. So if that sounds good to you, you are going to love this podcast. Let's dive into the episode. If you have been trying to declutter your house, and not been as successful as you like, I am willing to bet that I can help you figure out exactly why. There are a lot of reasons that moms feel like they can't declutter, declutter, whether it's their kids or their spouse or the time or the energy or just simply not knowing what to do, where to take things, how to donate, right? How to do it mindfully, how to not be wasteful. Uh, Plus you're worried about like, what if I need it? You know, I wasted so much money on this. What if I need it again and I can't get it? There is so much that goes into decluttering as a mom. And I promise that if you have thought it or felt it, I have heard it before or experienced it myself. And that is exactly why I created this training called how to create your mom proof decluttering plan. And I've done a lot of decluttering checklists, challenges, courses, programs in the past, and they work. And this training really is the framework for every single thing that moms need to consider when it comes to decluttering their home. It's the plan. We're actually going to build your plan together. It's following through with your plan and it's including your family and even learning how to make this process as enjoyable as possible. Because most people feel like The task is daunting or just another thing on their to-do list, and I don't want it to feel like that for you. So this free training, how to create your mom-proof decluttering plan, you can go to motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY to get it, or you can just check the show notes of this episode and you will find it. Come get it. I know there is so much information about there. A lot of it is much the same. Five steps to declutter your house, you know? Here's the checklist to declutter this area of your house, but none of them really show you the full scope of what goes into doing this start to finish. And that's exactly what's in this training. So go check it out, motherhoodsimplified.com forward slash DIY, or check the description of this episode to go get it today. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Simplified podcast. Welcome back if you are someone who listens often. And if you are new here, welcome to your first episode. I'm super grateful that you're here. Grab some coffee or some tea or whatever it is that you like to drink. Water is safe because most of us are chronically dehydrated and come enjoy this episode. So I'm Krista Lockwood. I'm a mom of five and I help moms like you declutter their homes and simplify their lives without becoming a full-blown minimalist because if you have kids, that's just not realistic. So I help you find the balance of having enough stuff, but not too much. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. Um, Lori Pala, owner of Simply Be Organized, you can find the link in the description. She specializes in the Enneagram and clutter. 
So I won't go into too much about what the Enneagram is because you'll hear it in a minute on the episode. She explains it very well. But essentially, it's somewhat of a personality type, but it goes deeper and focuses on your motivations. So not so much what do you do and how do you show up, but why do you do those things? And what I found from, I follow her on Instagram and I've been, you know, listening to her content for a little bit is that there are some very common things that I hear all the time from moms about why they can't declutter ranging from, I, I can't find the time. I don't know what to do first, next or last. My family is not on board. I worry about just in case. I think of so many reasons to keep these things and things that I can do with it. I love to have all of this stuff. And what I found is that if you are stuck, if you're really stuck on one of those things and you can't seem to move past it, it very well might be that your inner motivations are working against you. Not that that's how they have to be, but you know, a lot of times it's it's a spectrum. And so we have a range of like parts of ourselves that aren't working very well and we have to work to improve them so that they can work better for us. So for example, I am I am a 7 on the Enneagram. So my motivation is to have joy and pleasure and adventure and fun and um, I, like enthusiasm, like I'd like to have the most. <laughs> and prior to decluttering and simplifying my home, that looked like feeling like I wanted to buy all of the things. Like I wanted to have all the things. I have shiny object syndrome. Like if it's pretty and new and interesting, like I want it, which is not a great thing when it comes to stuff because I would accumulate so much. And now that I've redefined my relationship with stuff, I still want to do the most and I still prioritize having fun and pleasure over pretty much everything. But now it's so interesting and you'll hear it on the episode, like I declutter so that I can have those things because having piles of stuff in my home will literally stop me from being able to have an adventure to, you know, seeing that the weather is perfect outside and I want to go play outside with my family. Um, and so my motivation is still the same. My motivation is to still find satisfaction and find joy and pleasure, but it looks different because now instead of collecting piles of things, I have a house that works for me and allows for me to satisfy that, that piece of me. And so in this episode, she goes through all of the Enneagram types and she gives examples of their motivations and what that might look like in regards to clutter why you might hold on to things, why you might be struggling to let go of things. And um, she shares a lot of information about her courses that she has for each specific type, which I think is so valuable. If you are stuck, it's probably not just as simple as saying, I just need to prioritize better. You might be a type, which is a nine, who genuinely struggles to create priorities. And that's okay. If you know that, then you can seek the right kind of support to get you to make progress. So I wanted to give you this introduction before her and I dive into the conversation. <laughs> and I'm so excited. I know you're going to get a ton of value out of this. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you over on the episode. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Hi. Okay. We're live. We are live in the Facebook group. Um, hello, everybody. I am here with Lori Pala, and she is the, she runs a, 
what do you call it? Clutter and Enneagram? People are like, <laughs> yeah. what do you do? And that's like the yeah. loaded question. Yeah. So do you want me to explain? You want me to just do my yeah. own? Lori, I have to be honest. I totally forgot to pull up the notes before I started talking. <laughs> so fine. that's, we'll do that's this fine. And then I'll hit record. It's, it's totally fine. It looks like this is my fourth episode, my fourth podcast interview today. So I'm going to be a little loopy. Um, so yeah, so basically what do I do? I have a company called Simply Be Organized. It was just kind of like the umbrella company. Um, started as a professional organizer and I coach and mentor other women who are professional organizers or thinking about becoming a professional organizer. So that's kind of what, what I, part of what I do. But a lot of the work that I do with helping people understand how to live simply and work smarter, which aligns beautifully with kind of the work that you do, is about understanding the different types of clutter and how to find strategies to reduce that. And I, about four years ago, started to learn about the Enneagram, which is a personality typology for those of you who are unaware of it. And it dates back like over 4,000 years, but it, in the past five years or so, it's gotten like a resurgence and more popularity in some sort of mainstream cultures. And essentially for many of you who might know Myers-Briggs or DISC or Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies, and you know about different types of personality typologies, what separates the Enneagram from other types is it talks about your motivation. So basically the why you do what you do, as opposed to just the behavior, it's the motivation behind your behavior. And so what I found fascinating about it was a lot of the work that I've done is I've always said clutter is just a symptom of something bigger. So I've always, you know, prided myself on being like a fake therapist and figuring out where your clutter stems from. And so I started just researching for my own purposes about the Enneagram and to learn more a little bit about myself, self-discovery, relationships, parenting, not necessarily at that time having any indication that it was going to intersect with the work that I do. But the more I started to research and study and listen to podcasts and read books and conferences and all the things, I started to say, wait a second. I think there's some connection points that we can use the information about these different types and see how they connect with the nine different, um, the nine different Enneagram types, how they relate to how people navigate clutter. And so I kind of added a subdivision, if you will, I started this whole Enneagram and clutter kind of theme. Cause actually what happened was to be totally honest is I started Googling Enneagram and clutter. Like I was looking for people doing it because there was Enneagram and parenting, Enneagram and, <coughs> excuse me, relationships, but there's nothing on Enneagram and clutter. And I was like, wait a second, organization and clutter is such a hot topic. It's very popular. I was doing it before it was even trendy with organization. I'm like, how is there no studies or frameworks connecting these dots? So that's what led me down this rabbit hole to then research it and essentially develop it myself. And so here we are. Yes. Right. I love it because I, that was such a clear, um, differentiator when I found you was like clutter and Enneagram. Cause I know about the Enneagram and I'm still unclear on which one I, I am exactly. Um, but I loved what you said about, cause this is one of the things that I know 
is like a, maybe a pet peeve of people who are really into the Enneagram is like thinking that it's a personality thing and thinking that if you do a certain thing that determines what you are. But my understanding is that it's, you can be doing the same thing, but you're doing it for different reasons. Um, and so I'm hoping that we can kind of go through maybe an overview of the types. Absolutely. Yay. And then as you're listening, you all can try and maybe understand a little bit more about what you are. And then at the end, I'll tell you about the courses that she has, because she actually has courses designed specifically for types and clutter so that you can get a really good, like, I think footing on how to approach your clutter based on, I'm assuming how you relate to clutter based on this type, um, as well as a course to help you figure out what your type is if you need help with that. But, um, yeah, can you start with an overview and sharing with us what you are? Okay. Oh, absolutely. So an overview of the Enneagram are, and if you look at an image and I don't have a picture of it right here in front of me to show everybody, but it is, it kind of has like a little, like, what is this? Cause it's a circle with a triangle and a bunch of intersecting arrows. And there are nine different, I call them, they look like, like nine hands on a clock, if you will, that go around. And each of the nine types has its own unique characteristic. And the reason why, if you like really geek out about Enneagram stuff, which I won't get too, too deep to, to like scare people away, all of those arrows and connection points have meaning because the thing that I love about the Enneagram is it's fluid. So essentially there's a little bit of all, of all nine types in each of one of us, but each person has a dominant type, one that is kind of your core motivation. And that's why for like, when you and I were talking offline, you're like, I'm not really sure because there's a little bit of, of all the types in, and you could find something about each number that you can person, that you can relate to. There's some characteristic, but what I love about it again, is that you can pull from the strengths of other numbers and other types characteristics to kind of make you the best version of yourself. So it's not like a sentence of like, well, you're this with like a stamp on your, you know, here you are. It's an opportunity to use it as a tool, which is all it is. It's not the gospel. I tell that all the time. It's a tool to use for self-discovery and to help you be the best version. Again, whether it's as a parent, as a spouse, as a coworker, just for your own purposes. Um, And specifically in the work that I do, how to understand how you relate to clutter, why certain things stress you out, why you might be clutter blind, why why you might um, struggle with time management. And it's not an excuse for poor behavior, but it's about saying, okay, I know that these are my intuitive roadblocks and what steps can I take to to circumvent them, to overcome them. And so that's really the purpose of where the kind of course comes in is, you know, I talk about, like you said, the behavior, which, you know, we use procrastination as one example, you know, we all procrastinate, but the reason why we procrastinate is very different based on the Enneagram types. So that's just a little overview of just the Enneagram in and of itself. Um, I can walk you through, like I said, there are nine types and I'll tell you mine when, um, when we get to it. So I'll let you know what it is. Um, and I can just walk around a little bit of each one of them and give a, an overview. So the ones are known as each one has kind of a name 
or an, like a little acronym that goes with it. So the ones are known as the perfectionist or the improver. And the, the characteristics of your one on the surface is they're your list makers. They're very detail oriented. They are the people that are dotting every I and crossing every T. So a lot of times when people will meet me on the surface, they're like, oh, you're an organizer. You must be a one which is kind of, again, that kind of stereotype. And yes, there are certain things, like if you look, I have like lists around and I love that and I thrive on that. But my motivation is very different than a one. So a one's motivation is always to be improving and to be a perfectionist for themselves. They always want to strive for that excellence. And that is something that comes from this inner critic that is found within the one. And so a lot of times it's, I don't want to say it's like you have voices in your heads, but whenever I talk to ones, it's like, I have this, you know, you could be doing this better. You could be, you know, whatever it is, it could be a kid. And it's like, I'm doing this report could be better. Or when it comes to organization, I'm looking for the perfect bin or basket, or I have to do this perfectly. And so when it comes to that whole organization piece, the strengths of a one are, yes, they're thorough. They're very, they're going to be meticulous in certain things, but in the same token, ones can struggle in the execution because they're so busy with planning and making, trying to make everything air quote perfect that they don't always pull the trigger. And I talk to a lot of women. I work with women entrepreneurs. Like I said, I work with women organizers and a lot of them will talk about whether it's building their social media or other parts of their business that, you know, they will constantly be tweaking. I'm tweaking this, I'm tweaking that, or in my home, I'm tweaking this, I'm tweaking that, as opposed to just putting it out there and then fixing it as it goes along. Because the one the one judges themselves harder than the world judges the one. And right. so that's really good. Is that good? Is that helpful? Yes. I okay. have a question about it because as you're like talking about this, I'm laughing because this is the opposite of me. I feel like, and when it comes to my business, I, I tell people all the time, like I am the living example of done is better than perfect. I literally just throw it out there and then I refine it. Well, you might be a three and we will get to that in a minute. And the ones, and one of the things about the ones is I, one of my challenges, like homework challenges for a one is to figure out that sweet spot to incorporate some of that done is better than perfect, which I don't want to jump ahead, but when we get to the threes, we're going to be talking all about that. So, and the other thing I want to say just real quick, anybody who's listening, you know who you are. I think I know who some of you are because I get messages and emails from people who are like, I just wanted to show you this typo because I think you would want to fix that typo on your website. Right. Oh, <laughs> and I'm yes. like, I think they're ones there. Cause I know I had to like reframe it. Cause I used to take it like, so personally be like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> yeah, I think they really are help. They, they see that as an opportunity to help me improve. And I appreciate that so much now because it's a blind spot I have. And that is what you just said is gold because if nothing else, okay, whether you guys buy my course, follow me on social media, whatever, I just believe wholeheartedly that the greatest gift that Enneagram has given me as a tool is grace, grace for other people. Um, as talking to moms, cause obviously that's your community. I wish I knew the Enneagram 
when my kids were little, I'm a mom of bigs. I have an 18 and a 21 year old. And so they were like well into their teens when I started learning the Enneagram. And if I had an insight into kind of their personalities and even my own blind spots, I feel like I would have been such a healthier mother for them. Um, not that I live in a world of regret, but I just feel like just, it just things that when you hear I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that to my kid because it's so cringeworthy now knowing the Enneagram, but it's what therapy's for. It's what therapy's for. So anyway. Okay. So you want me to move on to the twos? Yes. Yes. The twos. So the twos are known as the helper. And I'll say, I love this. Like, I love all of the types because they all have redeeming qualities. So, I mean, but the twos are great. Twos are known as the helpers. And like, who doesn't want to be a two? Because they're the people that are, you think about, they're this, this is, um, and I'm stereotyping here, people. Okay. So again, any type can be in any business, any role, whatever, but like twos are the stereotypical, like classroom mom, the twos are the one that's going to be the first one to bring you a meal. They're always like, they're putting other people first, always like they're all about that relational helper piece. I was just actually being interviewed on somebody's podcast and I made the analogy. I said the two in terms of clutter, the two mom is the one that has like a 10 year old and a 12 year old, but still has a high chair in her basement in case her friend comes over who has a baby. And it's like, I'm just going to hold on to it so that I can have it there for somebody. That's such a relevant answer. Cause I see that we see that in the group all the time where moms are like, I got rid of a lot of stuff and I'm keeping this for when people come over. Cause if yes. it's kids, I want them yes. to have things to play with. Yes. That's such a good example. Yes. And again, not me. <laughs> Yeah, but it is really, and I have friends that are like that. I, my one, my one very, very good friend. I'm like, that is like, that's her. And so another kind of blind spot, it's a, again, it's a gift. And it's also, you know, I call them strengths and struggles in the course. That's what I talk about. So like this, one of the strengths is, you know, that they are always doing for other people, which is great, but they put themselves last to the point where we talk about time to do things. When you're constantly running, when you're constantly on the go, you don't have time to do the dishes, to do the laundry, to put the laundry away. If you're, you know, whether it's running your kids or helping out or volunteering at church or wherever, whatever you're doing, and you're not physically home and you're not delegating it, it's just not getting done. And so prioritizing that time um, is really important. I think twos really need to work on, I think everybody needs to struggle with, I think everybody has a, has an opportunity to really be ruthless with their time and be more intentional about how they spend it. But I think that's a, that's a pitfall for two because they naturally want to drop what they're doing to help somebody. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that this is really helpful too, because I know I've had seasons of life where I feel like it's easier for me to just do everything for everyone, Mm -hmm. but it's not. I don't feel like it's who I am. It's because I'm in a season of survival mode, not because that's how I would prefer to be. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I think really, again, to talk about what that unconscious motivation is the choose motivation, because there's a lot, like I'm a helper and I'm, I'll say yes to people, but it's for a very different reason. The twos value, they think their value comes from helping other people. Like that is my purpose. Like my purpose and like, that is how they define their worth. Their worth is how can I 
you know, help serve other people, as opposed to recognizing that you can still serve with healthy boundaries. So I think that's the difference is there's a lot of people that, you know, will pitch in and help out and do things. But again, it's the motivation is, is different at its core. All right. You ready for the threes or do you have a question about twos? You ready? No, I was just thinking that I'm grateful that twos exist because. Uh, Oh, hundred (laughs) percent. We, we absolutely need twos. Okay. All right. Buckle up. Let's, let's see. Let's see if this, cause you, that was one of the ones that you were not sure. Okay. Um, I go back and forth between three and then seven. Yeah. Six. Okay. So see if any of this resonates with you. Okay. So threes are known as the achiever and they are very charismatic people. So that's like a, one of their superpowers. Threes are also notoriously good at multitasking. So you know that we hear in life, like don't multitask. It really reduces your productivity. Threes are the one type on the Enneagram that really can thrive. And my husband's a three. So I've studied threes a bit in my life and he could be working on a presentation at work and watching a basketball game and having a conversation and juggling it all like, and actually really doing it well, which I can't, I'm like, I need to focus in on this. Don't bother me. I'll be back when I'm done. So that is one of the characteristics of the threes. The threes are not that they are necessarily um, shallow. I don't need to cross the shallow, but they're very image conscious. And that comes across in kind of how they kind of want to put themselves out into the world. And so when it comes to clutter, threes don't like every three that I've ever met. And again, I'm not, I'm just saying the ones that are in my world. So I'm sure there's somebody out there that disagrees, but they actually have like a visceral reaction to clutter. Like there's actually like, even if they can't articulate it, they feel anxious around it. They feel anxiety. They feel short, they're short tempered. Like my husband used to come home from work. And this is again, way before I knew the Enneagram and my husband would come home from work and I would just have the toys out from like the kids during the day. And I was just finishing up the dishes and we were going to clean up. It wasn't like we were going to leave it, but he would come in and just see them and immediately start putting stuff away. And I would get so frustrated, like, we've got this, like, you don't, and it was, yes, it wasn't an effort to help, but it was really more for him because he didn't want to see it. And so it was putting it away very quickly. And threes, I think have to be careful because they're more concerned about putting it away than being concerned about the intentionality of where it goes. And I always tell people that the purpose of organizing is to, is the ease of retrieval. It's if I need to go get it, I need to know where it is. It's not the act of putting it away. And so threes, because they are very, they're doers and they want to be helpful. And they do have that done is better than perfect, which is my husband's motto. And I used to say that before I ever learned the Enneagram, like that's like, that would be on his tombstone. Like done is better than perfect is it's like, okay, I'm just putting this away. So it's done. Check it off the list. But then I'm like, where's, and he would do it with my kids' schoolwork. And so it would be like, where's that report that I was working on that was out on the table? And he'd be like, I don't know. I put it away. Okay. Where'd you put it? Cause now I don't know. And so it's those kinds of conversations, um, that happen with threes, but threes, again, they're great because they will make decisions quickly, which are similar to a couple of the other types on the Enneagram. Um, and they go at a, 
at a quick pace. But again, they are sometimes the attention to detail is lacking in a three. I can relate to a lot of that. Um, I'm terrible at multitasking. I will say that like the other day, my husband, he made me lunch. <laughs> he, made, he made me lunch. I was eating it and I left it on the counter and I went and laid down on the couch <laughs> and I forgot that I was eating lunch um, because that's like how not great at multitasking I am. I posted in an, in the group the other day about the tomatoes that I put in the oven to make tomato soup with. And then I forgot they were there until a few days later. <laughs> oh no. Um, oh yeah. no. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do have that high energy, just get things done. Very much a doer. Kind of like we talked to, you guys should go listen to the podcast episode that we did on her show, Simply Be Organized, because I talked about our move from Alaska to Florida, where I just got things done. Like I can get things done very quickly efficiently, um, almost for the sake of just like getting it off of the list. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that does relate. And then the things that you said that were a little bit painful also related. So maybe that's a sign too, but um, that that's a sign too. And a couple, and a, another thing about threes also, and there's, when you said that you should think maybe possibly three, seven, one of the similarities, and again, without peeling back too many layers of the onion of the Enneagram, but I do go into this it deeper in the courses is what what's called in Enneagram language, your orientation to time, which is there's three different orientations to time, past, present, future, just like Christmas Carol and threes there and um, three sevens and eights are the three numbers that are very future oriented people. So another thing um, is most threes, you're planning what's going on. Like what's, what's ahead. Like you're very full steam ahead. And I can relate to that as an eight, like I'm a future oriented person. And so there's, you know, a lot of times that plays into like, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing because we're very future focused people. Yeah, what's next? hundred percent me always, always in the future to the point where it's difficult to be to hear today. Like, yeah. And point? that, yeah. And that's the thing. And again, you know, I don't like, I go in depth about, you yeah. know, what kind of the roles are and, and how that plays out in terms of the specifically. And I think the biggest, the biggest impact, I think when, especially when it comes to the clutter piece of it are your future people and your past people, because your past people, a lot of times have that sentimental piece because they're, they're tethered with a past oriented perspective where the three sevens and eights are future oriented. So that sentimental stronghold is not as much of a, you know, it might be there, but it's, it's less dominant. Yeah, this is so interesting and so helpful. I think for people to go and learn more about for sure, because it can I just see so much value in understanding not only your type, but for me as, you know, a leader in the space that's helping other moms, like understanding their types and recognizing, like, maybe that's your motivation and here's a different perspective. So yeah, I'm loving this. Oh, Let's good. Awesome. Fours. Okay. So here's fours. And I also have a lot of experience with fours because my younger daughter's a four. So I've done a lot of, again, a lot of research understanding fours before I even had a name for it, right? Before I even had language to really put around it. 
And you and I were talking a little bit on my show about kind of that sentimental piece where, you know, my younger daughter, everything had feelings. Fours are, sorry, let me back up and just give the overview. So the fours are the individualist or the romantic, and they are what you would stereotype as your creatives. A lot of them, again, and this isn't to say that you can't be a musician or an artist and be a different type, but they're what you would stereotype stereotypically think of as the person that wants to be different, a little brooding, very, you know, a lot of layers to them. And they're very comfortable in the melancholy. Like they like to be a little bit, they don't want to be in the norm. Like they're nonconformists. They, they pride themselves on their uniqueness. Um, and so in life, I think that can serve them well, but a lot of times that can also be struggle because they want to do things their way and differently. Um, they're also very feeling dominant. So they are, everything has feelings and they're past oriented. So that emotional, sentimental, what I call emotional clutter is big, a lot for fours. And so having strategies, like here's a perfect example of how a strategy would be different. So like a three, who's a quicker decision maker, you might be able to make a better, more, I don't even want to say better, but a quicker decision on what to keep, what to get rid of, for example. Whereas a four may need to really kind of touch it, feel it, um, remember. And I would see this as my daughter, like even as a kid, you know, even as a small child, my daughter would be like, remember when I got this book? And I know I'm not reading it and she'll get rid of it. Like she will. Cause I've always, my kids have drank my Kool-Aid since, you know, my organizing decluttering Kool-Aid their whole lives. But her process was so different than my other daughters. Like she would eventually get there like, oh, I don't need this. I'm going to get rid of it. But she would have to tell a story around each thing before she did it. And that was her process. So if I would try to rush her to be like, can you just make a decision already? Cause I was a quick decision maker. Then she would clam up and it was like white knuckling. So the same approach I had to like temper it to adapt to her so that she embraced the process but what I learned is I have to account for more time. So the same task that might take somebody else 10 minutes, I have to lot of half an hour for that. And so as a, and from a, as a professional organizer and somebody who works with professional organizers, that's why I say it's so important to understand your audience. Who are the people that you're working with? Because you want people to have the buy-in to feel like they are part of the solution and they have power over their decisions and not being forced or told what to do. This is so good. Okay. So exactly what you're talking about, like understanding who you're working with and how you're yeah. showing up there inside of this group where we are live streaming this, if you're listening on the podcast, come join the group and you can search it. But my friend Savannah and I, she was one of the very first people I helped declutter. And I went over to her house and we played this game where I sat in her closet with her, with a pile of clothes. And I would hold up an item and I would say, keep or don't keep. And I would, I was like, you have three seconds to answer. And it was so funny <laughs> because in like, to me, I'm like, I can make a decision that fast, but she would stare at me and, and then I'm like, okay, so this isn't working. So what can I do? Like, when is the time that you would wear this? When is the time, you know, when was the last time you would wear this? And I thought that it would help her make a faster decision. 
And it did ultimately help her make a decision. But the reason that she made the decision is because she told a story about it. I will wear this again. Like I'm thinking of the, the, like the football uh, jerseys that she had. She's like, I might wear this again when we have a big Super Bowl party and maybe our team goes to the Super Bowl. I'm like, okay. Like in my head, I'm like, okay, then like get one when it's time. Like you, or you have like 10 other ones, like wear one of those ones. And it wasn't as black and white for her. Or I would ask her like, when was the last time you wore this? And she could remember, even if it was like five years ago, she could remember when she wore it last. And so she's like, but I wore it then and I might wear it again. Um, so that's so funny that you brought that up because we were so different. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, it's interesting. And one of the things, again, I talk about in, because I am also about simplicity and getting rid of what you don't need, but I do believe that there also is a place for, you know, your keepsakes and things. And it's, you have to, obviously not everything can be a keepsake, but I think having this dedicated memorabilia bin is also great for people that struggle with emotional clutter. Again, you have to be mindful of not putting everything in there and having those strategies and boundaries, but to not necessarily realize that everything has to be in prime real estate, taking up your space when it comes to the actual nuts and bolts of laying at your organizing, you know, this may have a place, but is that place here? Is that place right where you have it? So I think understanding that, but yes, the storytelling is a really big thing for the fours. Yeah. Yeah. That explains a lot. And we've talked about this before where I'm like, I'm sorry, Savannah, I came on pretty intense, but she appreciated it too. Cause she was feeling stuck, but yes, <laughs> no, absolutely. Okay. You want me to move on to the fives? Yes. Fives. Okay. So fives are known as the observer and, or the investigator. And the thing about the fives is they are very, they're very much the questioner. So I don't know if any of you out there in the community follow Gretchen Rubin or know about her four tendencies. She also has a, like a personality typology called the four tendencies. And one of them is known as the questioner. And it's somebody who wants all the information before they make a decision. So there are people like myself that want to be educated, but we're willing to take a leap of faith and we'll figure it out later down the road. Fives like to have all their facts. They're very analytical people and they like to make a decision after they have all the facts. And so they'll spend a lot of time in research, 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 and they can often mistake the planning and the research for actual doing. So when it comes to the organization piece, it's almost, it's, it's different because our motivation is different, but it's similar to the ones who will redo the room 50 times before saying, okay, it's done. Or they'll rewrite the blog post 50 times before they hit publish because it's not perfect. The five will procrastinate because they don't feel like they are equipped with the right information to, um, to make that educated decision because knowledge is really, really important for the fives. Um, the other thing about the fives is they are notorious for that kind of like, well, what if, like, I might need this someday kind of thing. So they are want to be very resourceful. And so they'll say, well, let me hold on to this widget button something, because I might be able to 
repurpose it or reuse it someday down the road, whatever, where it's like, you could just replace it very easily. If you know, you don't need to hold on to every little thing, but because they come from an analytical standpoint, they're like, well, I bought it. It still works. It costs money. I'm going to hold on to it as opposed to saying, but it's not serving you well, you don't need the space, all these other things. And so it's that push pull between that what's on paper and then how does, what's the freedom from having less stuff. That is also very helpful. And for this one specifically, I, cause part of the reason that I go, like I've been confused on what I think I actually am is because I can think about events that have happened. Like when we moved from Alaska to Florida and my husband was like, Oh, surprise. I am going to have to live there next week. And I was like, okay, hold on. Like what's happening? Like, what are the details? How are we doing this? Like, well, that's fair. I don't think that's, I think that's <laughs> right. fair. I think having yeah. those facts are important. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah. I mean, sometimes I would think about it. I'm like, in that moment, that's how I was showing up, but it's not a, it's not a motivator for me in general. And I, I think easily check that one off. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think you are, but I also think for anybody that if you're a parent out there, or if for some reason you have somebody else that's in the professional organizing space, or you're a therapist, or you're working with somebody from, an, from a teaching model, um, I think it's important to understand that the fives like to understand what the process is that gives them power because that knowledge is power to them. So giving them the, why you're doing things. So if you're like, I'm going to, you know, so for me, I do this, what I call my organizing ESP where you empty sore purge, right? So me explaining to them, to the five, why we're doing this, as opposed to just saying, we're going to empty this. And then that gives them that power of the information to the knowledge. So they feel like they're making an educated decision. And so as opposed to looking at them, like, why do they keep questioning me? Like, don't they just trust me? It's no, it's, they need to get to that level of peace, confidence, where they feel like, yes, I'm making an informed decision. My son, that is so one of my sons (laughs) where if I can give him a very clear reason of why there's literally He's just like that. That makes sense. That's what he'll say. Yes. That makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because I was recently just working with one of the professional organizers who I mentor, and she was sending a proposal to a client and sent it over to this client. And he had like sticker shock of what this proposal looked like on cost. And she, and he emailed her back and was like, Can you just explain it? And immediately, and I know her type and I can understand why she was just like, you know, and he was very respectful. It wasn't like he was mean. And I, and so I walked with her through the steps and I don't know this guy. I don't know what his Enneagram type is, but I logically state laid out step-by-step step, like, this is how we got here. And she cracked, you know, responded with this email laid out with everything that we talked about. And he said, that makes perfect sense. That's great. Like, can't wait to get started. So I don't know if this guy was a five or not, but the point was, as opposed to being turned off of like, are you questioning me? Are you questioning what I'm doing? And instead just looking at it, like this is part of our communication styles and how can we relate to that? So I think it's really helpful. Okay. I'm loving this. Let's talk about sixes. Cause I I feel like I relate to this one a lot too. Okay. So the sixes are known as the loyalists. Again, we love the six. 
Um, the, the internal motivation with the sixes is really based out of fear. So they're your worst case scenario thinkers. And again, I think at some point in our lives, and especially if you're a mom who hasn't been a worst case scenario thinker, like, so I think there's a little bit of that in all of us, but really they are a lot of their decisions. There's an insecurity within the sixes who are, again, what we call like unhealthy, like you're not as aware of your blind spots. Once you become aware of your blind spots, like you can be a super healthy, great version of yourself. But when you're unaware, your sixes are going to have a lot of self-doubt. So I feel like from a reassurance standpoint, they're like, they're the, I don't know what to do thing. So they a lot struggle with a lot with indecision. Sixes will go, I'm not really sure what to do. So I'm not going to do anything. And that could be like the mail comes in, or I don't know if I need to hold on to this outfit. Will my, should I hold on to it for my next one? I don't really know. I don't want to make a wrong decision. So I'm kind of not going to make any decision. So that's a lot with the sixes. Um, they will default to other people, not because they're weak people, but they just like that validation. And I say a lot of times when I work with people, and this might be true to some of the sixes in your group, is they just like to have that permission or that validation from someone in authority or that somebody who's walked that walk before. So that gives them that freedom to like not have that self-doubt because there's a lot of self-doubt um, again within the sixes, which they don't need to, just like the one has the one that strong inner critic, like you're not being the best version of yourself. The sixes can often struggle with self-doubt. So kind of that fear, emotional clutter can be a, a pitfall for the sixes. Oh, based on that, I changed my mind. <laughs> You're not a six. Um, no, I'm, I, it's so easy for me to make decisions. Um, and if anything, I do the opposite where I, like, I'm thinking about like within my marriage, like I'll just make the decision Yeah, because I know what the decision is. <laughs> Yeah. And that's not always great if you're, you know, in a partnership. Um, but yeah, like I, and I can, I even think back to like when I was a kid, it drove my parents crazy that I would just do things and I would be like, I did this or whatever. So, um, yeah, this is, this is clarifying. I'm enjoying okay. it. Okay. Okay. Good. And for some I reason I thought six was like motivated by creating stability. Is that also? Well, that could be for sure. Absolutely. Okay. I, because yes, I absolutely. I mean, and I'm giving a super broad stroke yeah. very, but yes, that yeah. stability that they, they do like that and they like to make, yes. So there is a part of the sixes that like that stability. So they will, um, because they're that worst case scenario thinkers, they're always trying to think about what's, how can I, how can I protect my family? How can I, what's the best, you know, what, it, what, what guardrails can we put into place so that we're prepared? Okay. Yeah. I think hearing this too, I'm like, that's also not me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but I just like, I like, I like stability and probably it's because I have so many kids that I'm just like, I need some grounding. Yes. Yeah. So, but, but, but I do think, kids. and I think a good tip for sixes out there is surrounding yourself with people that will, again, that will either empower you or motivate you to feel like you can make those decisions or get that accountability partner. It's like, think about the person who, like, I know for me, and I'm not a six, but like working out with a friend 
I'm much more inclined to show up if I know I have an accountability partner. So when it comes to clutter and organization, whether you're in a, a group, a community where you just are like, I'm going to do this, I'm putting this out there and um, this is going to help me now that I know that I have you know, an army of people around me to help walk with me through it or support me in it, I'm more likely to follow through on it as opposed to just abandon ship because I don't know what to do. And again, I can see so much value in those people because I know who they are in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate them. Um, All right. Sevens. sevens. All right. You ready to listen? Yeah. Okay. So sevens are known as the enthusiast and love the sevens. They are also, again, they're very much our future thinkers again. So just to give it a top line overview, the ones, twos, and sixes are very present focused people and, um, our fours, fives, and our nines are your past people. They're the people that are more past oriented. Um, and our threes, sevens, and our eights are future oriented. So again, they're always thinking they're your adventure seekers. They're the fun people. They're the people that are like, where's our next adventure? They like to take on whether it's different hobbies of like, oh, I'm going to take up knitting or beer making or ceramics or candle making or whatever. So they take on a lot of different things, which oftentimes come with a lot of different stuff. So they will accumulate, tying back in that the clutter piece, they will accumulate the accoutrements that go with that whatever thing that they're doing, but then don't necessarily, they're not necessarily intentional about getting rid of it when they're no longer, when that like ship sails and they're no longer into that. So maybe they were into horseback riding and bought all this gear and now they don't do it, but their closet is still filled with a bunch of stuff or fill in the blank of whatever it is. Running yoga, fill, you know, and so our sevens are notorious for because they get energy from what's ahead, like what's the next best thing. And so sevens really need, need to, or I encourage them to really struggle to try to work on focus on being present, which is something that I actually have to focus it on as well. Um, because I have a tendency to always be planning, whether it's in my business of what's next or in my life, or even for my kids, like I was wanting to do college shopping, like start looking at colleges when my oldest was in 10th grade. And she's like, mom, like, can you just wait? And I'm like, no, let's just get a jump start on it. And she's like, give me a minute. <laughs> so, um, the other thing is, so sevens also, they're typically you're very glass half full people. They like that. Like if you look at a, you know, a spectrum of your range of emotions and you look at your fours as like, I'm going to be in the lowest to mid, you know, like, don't ask me to smile. I'm a little bit brooding and melancholy. And your sevens are like, not that you're fake, not that the sevens are fake, but they are, even when life hands them a curveball, they're like, we're going to make it fun. And I'm going to make the best of the situation. And so they will typically have that glass half full attitude. Sevens will also, they struggle with clutter and organization because they want to be doing things that are fun. So they would rather be out of the house doing something fun than tackling the mundane, which as much as we try and I'm all about, and I'm sure, you know, you're a mom of five kids, you make it fun, you make it gamey, you know, you gamify the whole situation, but at the end of the day, there's routines like the end of the day, laundry's laundry. And there's some kind of boring mundaneness to the process that we need to go through. And 
that's just sevens would rather be doing something else. So, which is fine if you're going to delegate those tasks out to somebody else, but where sevens can run into problems is they don't have somebody to clean their house or do their laundry or mow the lawn. And they're just busy going, going, going. And so that stuff just doesn't happen. And that's when the clutter comes up. Oh my gosh. I relate so much to this. Um, I say all the time that I declutter my house because I want to be able to do the things that I want to do, whether it's take a nap or go out, play outside or work out or literally do anything other than (laughs) this. Yes. Um, and obviously I still have to do it because it has to get done. But the other thing that you said that I, I had this conversation with my husband and I've had this conversation with people inside of motherhood simplified too. I was like, just because I said that I liked something at one point does not mean that that's like who I am. And I've likely already moved on. Like I went into, I, so like last year and specifically in motherhood simplified. So I actually am adding a new portion to the course where I help people simplify like time, day-to-day routines, all that, um, sharing all of the things that I've tried in the form of therapy and like self-care type things in that way. Because sometimes people will be like, well, I thought that you said you, you only do EMDR, or I thought that you said that you only like, this is what you should do. And so I'm like, I, I will do it all. Like I've done everything from acupuncture to like, and my husband, he was like, I thought that you're like this, like woo woo person. Who's like really into this stuff. And I'm like, I am until I'm not, or I am until it doesn't make sense anymore. So right. hundred percent relate. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the thing. And it can come in the way, not just of stuff, but of just, again, like spending your time on, you know, research or conferences or books or whatever it is. And so I think that's a, you know, a a big thing. And I think, again, there's a part of that in many of us that are like that, but it seems to be a predominant theme in the life of a seven. So like go listen to her episode, everybody. Cause she does the thing at the end where she asks about book recommendations. The book I recommended to you is 100% this where I'm like, I have to let you know that I am not attached to <laughs> this book topic at all. If you guys want to know what the disclaimer, book topic is, exactly. listen to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Cause even my husband, he's like, what are you a cryptocurrency person now? Like, is that who you are? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I'm, I find it interesting. I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And again, but I, I, I think there's so much to be learned from our sevens. Again, there's something to be learned from all of our types, but I love their, um, just their perspective on life that they just see things just looking at, you know, again, seeing things as an adventure, as opposed to like, oh, this is how I have to do this. And I just, you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's just a matter of putting those guardrails in to knowing and, and seeing the fact that organization is a path to freedom to do those things, I think is great. Yeah. All right. You're ready. Ready. All right. This is me people. This is me. So the Enneagram eights, and of course the best person to speak about a specific type is somebody who's in that type. So I can with confidence, um, give you some characteristics of this particular eight. So the eights are known as the challenger. And the challenger is driven by justice. So our unconscious motivation is basically like serving the underdog. Like we are all about kind of like 
doing what's right. And I, I say, I used an example to my, one of my daughters one time we were having a conversation and I said, I'm more concerned about doing what's right than being liked. Like I am principled almost to the point where like I could be a dog with a bone where I'm like, no, that's wrong. And you just need to own that it's wrong as opposed to letting it go, even in the grand scheme of things, if you should let it go, because it's about principle and about serving like the marginalized people. And I think that's why I like helping people with their clutter and organize like organization, because I see the struggles that it can cause them and the freedom that can come with it. And so I want to give them that roadmap. Now, some characteristics, because I made us sound all great and altruistic, but we're not all that all the time. So um, ACER, natural leaders, they're kind of big in the room people, which can be great, but it can also be overwhelming and for other people. And we can come across as very domineering, very aggressive, even though that's not the intention. And so specifically, it could be off-putting for certain types when you come in there. So Self-awareness, I think for any type is important, but specifically for the eights is really important because I don't mean to come off as aggressive and I don't mean to come across as like overpowering, but I think that intuitive, like just intuitively, that's a lot of times what the perception is. And so I have to be very intentional. And especially when you're passionate about something, like I'm passionate about talking about this, it can be very easy for me to dominate a conversation and take over. And so trying to like take that pause, take that stuff back is something that I have to continually work on. And then as a parent, again, who's very quick to make decisions, which is a great thing with clutter. Like I don't struggle with emotional clutter. That's not something that is really a big thing for me. I'm very like logical and action oriented. I'm a forward thinker. And so eights are great. Like their superpower is they can make decisions quickly. But what happens is they also can lack patience for people that don't work at the speed of an eight. And so again, looking back to my earlier story about my daughter, who was a four, like it wasn't, there was many tears and yelling and just make a decision already before I learned the strategies to give her that space. And me getting frustrated of why does everything have to be so drawn out? Um, So I think for eights, again, the great things, just like with the ones you're naturally organized, you make decisions, you don't bring emotion into the equation, which helps with the decluttering and organizing process. But I think the biggest roadblock for your eights is that self-awareness piece, not to barrel over people and also not to take on too much because people see you as leaders. And so you, or, and you will also see if you walk into a space and you see things not being done efficiently, a lot of times an eight will just default and want to take over. Cause you're like, I could get this done quicker and better and faster, you know? So let me just do it. And as a parent that could go to making your kids bed or making their lunches or doing their, like, you know, we, I know you were saying on my show, how you have your kids do doing their own laundry, which I love. And my husband and I empower our girls at a, at an early age to do that as well. But there's a lot of people that will just, let me just do it because I can do it myself and I can do it faster. And not only is that not serving your kids, but it's adding more to your plate than needs to be. And so I think being, having that self-awareness of going, 
might not be done exactly the way that I want it or in my time frame. I need to delegate this or allow somebody else to do it. I love it. Can we give like a hypothetical situation of the different types and delegating laundry to the kids real quick? I have a of question. course. Yeah, okay. of course. So I'm going to say this is a very blanket statement. Don't judge me for it. Anybody listening, but I relate a lot to the seven, I think most of all, and also the three. And when I'm thinking about the reasons that I have my kids do their own laundry is first of all, I know it's good for them, but also I don't want to do it. Like I, they can do it. They're perfectly capable of doing it. And I don't want to do it because that's like three extra loads of laundry a week for me to do. I feel like that would be my motivation, but I, part of me can also see the little bits that I relate to as a three of like, just like, just let me get it done. But also back when I was a more insecure and new mom, I would probably just do it so that it looked like I had my life together. Um, yeah. <laughs> or like you're saying an eight might do it just because you're like, I can do it faster. Like, why wouldn't I just do it? So do you think that's like a, a fair assessment? Of yeah. I think it's, a, I think it's, I think it's a fair assessment. Again, there's a lot, there's the, that, that three and seven, even though, you know, the three's motivation is really about like identifying themselves with their career is a big thing. Again, whether your career is straight up motherhood and nothing else, whether your career is something outside, that is a very, your identity is very much tied to, to that where the sevens is not. You know, the seven is about adventure and fun and freedom. So freedom is a greater theme than success, whatever success looks like. And doesn't have to be a car. It doesn't have to be a big house, but whatever that looks like. Um, the other interesting thing about threes, and we'll go back, I'm not forgetting the nines. We'll go back to the nines. But the other thing about threes is I call threes the shapeshifters because threes are notorious because they have a, they have a feeling element, even though you don't see it the same way you do in a two and a four, they're still in that field. They still have this feeling component because they can read a room really, really well. So a three can look at a room and know what that, what that room or what that space needs from them and can pull up that part of their personality. So they're not being fake. They're not being inauthentic, but and I'll use my husband as the example. So my husband has his work friends, then he has his college friends, then he's got our neighborhood friends. Like he's got these, and they're very siloed. Like they're not, now not just because they're logistically like in different parts of his life, but because he kind of acts a little differently with different groups of people. Like this is work, Josh. This is friend, Josh. This is coach, Josh. And he has like these different personas. So he's a little bit of a shapeshifter. And it's not that he's being fake. They're all parts of him. But like, I'm a little bit of a, what you see is what you get. Like if you meet me, like when I interview people on my show and then if they talk to me in real life in person and they're like, oh my God, it's just like, I'm talking to you on your show. I'm like, cause I'm the same freaking person. If you ran to me, the grocery store, this is it. Good, bad, or indifferent. Like that is it. My husband is very different. His three can look very different in different places. So I don't know if you can resonate with that piece at all. I can, I do completely. Um, and I will say that I've struggled with that in the past because especially like professionally, I, when I had, you know, like when I was a teacher, 
Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to show up a certain way. And it was really hard for me because I didn't want to show up that way. And that was, I think part of the reason I got so burnt out from teaching was like, I don't want to be so serious all the time. And I didn't want to like, or, um, not that you have to be serious for teaching, but on the professional side you did. And I just didn't, it was so exhausting. Like I just wanted to be ridiculous and talk about weird things, (laughs) you know, like just show how you can on a podcast and online. Um, so it's a much better fit for me that way. So I find that very exhausting to have to be different in different rooms, which sometimes I think it it, it just requires it from you, right? Like when I'm going to meet my kids, teachers or whatever, I have to be a little bit different, but well, yeah, we all have to, at some point, (laughs) like put a, a little bit of a difference, but, but by and large, I'm pretty steady Eddie, you know, across the board, I'll give you some additional resources afterwards that you can do some reading and listening to podcasts or whatever about different types, because I think the best thing, and again, we'll, we're going to not going to forget our nines, but you know, there are quizzes and things out there. And I, I mean, I, who doesn't love a good quiz, but at the end of the day, your quiz is going to be based on how you're feeling in that moment, how you're feeling in that time. There's, it's not, truly indicative of who you are. And I believe that the best way is really kind of learning, listening, reading about the different types. And then you're like, like you said, when you hear the parts that are a little cringy, that that's an indication that, yeah, that might be me. Like when you hear that was, that was for me. I'll never forget when I was reading about the eights And there was a line and it said, um, if God wanted you to wear your heart on your, your heart on your sleeve, he would have put it there. And I was like, oh, that's harsh. And that's so me. Like, I didn't meet like, but I was like, that's yes. Like I'm so like, it's, I'm not necessarily proud of, but that is part of me. Like, like suck it up. We'll go. Let's, let's just move on. Let's not bring all this, you know fuss and muss into the, into the equation, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So for everyone listening, I'll, I'll be for sure to put the link so that you can get her course to figure out what exactly you are. Cause I don't want you to be like, Oh, she's just like talking about the things that she resonates with, but I mean, I can't resonate to your things, <laughs> but right. for ex- yeah. yeah, for example, like another thing that confirms the seven is like, even when I just told the story about like why I want my kids to do laundry, I'm like, judging myself for that. Cause I'm like, wow, what a like selfish parent to be like, they should do their own laundry because I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm like, but that's the truth. And I know that they're hundred percent capable. Like I also know that. Yeah. And but that's the thing, you know, and this is where the grace piece of it comes in. There's nothing more, like, but you, you aren't asking your four-year-old to do it. You're not right. telling your four-year-old that you're going to do it. You're, you're saying, right. I know you can handle this and I don't want to do it. And that's okay. It can be a both and it doesn't have to be an either or. And even with like my career, like having so much guilt over being like, I should have just like sucked it up and been a teacher because lots of people do that. Right. But I, I felt like I was like suffocating by doing the same thing. Like I would look at people who were teachers for their entire career. And I just felt like a little piece of me died thinking about doing that. (laughs) Like life is too short. Life is too short. You can use your gifts in a lot of different ways. And you are, like I said, you are teaching. You're just teaching, not in a classroom. Right. 
Yeah. And that's, that's really good to hear too. Cause yeah, I think that that is a good indicator of like, do you like, does that kind of strike something in you? Like, is there kind of like, is that really who I am? Like, yeah, it was a little bit like, I want this podcast and I created this business because I do want to be able to work with my kids in the background. Like I want to be able to have fun with them and travel with them and still, you know, be able to provide for them because obviously yeah. I, I want to do that too. So this is so much fun and very, very helpful, but we should talk we, about the nines. Well, I was going to say, we <laughs> cannot leave out the nines because yeah. the nines already feel invisible. So the last oh. thing I want to do is not talk about the nines. Yeah. So, okay. So the nines are known as the peacemakers. Um, I will say just like, you're not supposed to have favorites with your kids, but secretly at certain times you do like one over the other, at least I have, I love them both, but today one might be my favorite over the other. I don't know. I love the nines. I love my one daughter happens to be a nine. My, I have a daughter, like I said, who's a four and I have a daughter who's nine and the peacemakers are, they, their motivation is peace and harmony. And it's ironic because they are also a very, what you see is what you get. Um, they are very conflict avoidant. The other thing about the eights is they don't see conflict or they don't, they get energy from conflict. So it doesn't even have to be bad. It could be like, we're in a heated debate about COVID, you know, masking not like I could have a conversation with you about, and we could completely disagree and there not be emotion in it for me. Like, I'm not going to be like, I don't like her or whatever. Take her. Like, I'm just like, that was a healthy conversation about differencing of opinion where other types either would completely shy away from that and like retreat where, or someone like a nine would be like, oh my God, that is so aggressive. So like nines really are conflict avoidant. And a lot of times nines will perceive a conversation as being a conflict, like sending a food, like here's a perfect example. Like my girlfriend was saying she was at a restaurant the other day and her food was cold. And <laughs> she said, I just want to send it back to ask if they could heat it up. I wasn't mad at the waitress. It was a busy place, but I, it must've been sitting out or whatever it was cold. And her daughter was there and she was like, you cannot send that. You cannot, you can. And she was like, I'm not going to mean, I'm just going to ask like my food is like legit cold and nines will rather eat cold food that they didn't order than speak up because they fear that as a potential conflict. Again, I can't relate. <laughs> I'm sorry um, for coughing. So when it comes to kind of the clutter and organization piece of the nine, so um, nines tend to, because they are kind of go with the flow people, they have can struggle with prioritizing things. So they could have like five or six things to do and really are like, well, let me just do this because it's in front of me, even if it's really not what's important to be done. And so procrastination is a big thing for nines. They will a lot of times wait, <coughs> excuse me, wait to the last minute because they're just doing something else. They're just chilling. I also think a lot of nines are clutter blind. Now it's interesting because my daughter, now that she's 21 and lives on her own and has her own, well, she's in college, but she has an apartment and, you know, she's much more on top of 
you know, making sure dishes are done and things aren't out of place in her own apartment, but at home, like her room was a mess and nines can walk by notoriously a sink full of dishes or a pile of laundry and literally not even say it. Like they're just, I call them clutter blind. Like they, where somebody else would be like, oh my gosh, how could you like leave that? And they're like, what are you even talking about? And it's just not even on the radar. And so again, because they're just very chill, go with the flow people, they, you know, clutter can accumulate because they're like, ah, I'll get to it later. And before you know it, they've got a stack of bills, tons of laundry, dishes, toys that need to be put away, fill in the blank. And so really, um, I think nines having the setting some parameters for themselves, but when they are ready to get things done, they will get things done. Like they'll, they will rise to the occasion, but I think they cause a lot of unnecessary anxiety and stress for themselves because they will wait to the 11th hour. And then it's like the race to the finish line. Yeah. And I wonder too, if nines struggle with, like, I think I'm thinking about like moms with young kids specifically struggle to help their kids prioritize. Like when it comes to toy decluttering, yes. that's what I'm thinking of. It's like, they don't want to upset their kids, right? They don't want to push them maybe twos and nines twos and nines get interchanged like get confused a lot um in terms of like typing even within themselves like my daughter even for a while she's like I think I'm a two and there are uh, there there's a lot of similarities between twos sixes and nines there's a lot there where they can sometimes look but specifically the two and nine a lot look surface the the one distinction is for anybody that's listening out there, and I know this isn't you, but if for anybody that's listening out there, so the twos are, they are what I've, and I've heard this spoken by Suzanne Stabile, who wrote The Road Back to You and The Path Between Us. So she's like a big Enneagram person. So for anybody that's into the Enneagram, the way she described it is the twos are martyrs and the nines are mergers. So for example, you were going to go somewhere and you had a group of people and you were going to go out to eat. And you really wanted to go out for pizza and everyone else wanted to go out for tacos or whatever. So you were outnumbered. So you would say, fine, I'm going to go with the group, but secretly deep down inside, you're going to go with the group because you want them to like, again, that wanting to be needed, liked, wanted is very important for the two. So there's like a little bit of like, I really wanted what I want, you know, I really want a pizza, but we'll go out for tacos where the nine will be in a group and they'll go, I want pizza. And they're like, no, we want tacos. And they'll go, okay. And they'll go with it because they don't want to rock the boat. They're just like, and they'll just merge with the group. And then they forget it. Like it's gone. They like, I don't really, I don't really care. Like my daughter to this day, I'll be like, she's like, I don't care. And like, she really doesn't care. And so, um, you know, I think they'll both agree. They'll both be amenable, but there's a little something within the two. That's like, I really wanted it my way, but I didn't want to speak up. And the nine's like, I just want harmony. And I don't really care what we eat. Like, it just doesn't matter. And so again, when it comes to decluttering, you know, nines will, or, or procrastinating nines will just go with the flow. And as a mom, as a parent who struggles to make decisions, it's hard to teach those kids, your kids, the strategies when you're struggling yourself, 
you know, and that's the thing is I see a lot of parents that come to me. They're like, I don't have the tools. Like I am not model. Like I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily modeling the behavior. I know I want my kids to have better time management or have less clutter or whatever, but I don't personally have the language to wor- work through this. And so that's where I think the work that I'm doing is helpful because it allows you to have language based on, you know, what's naturally intuitive to you based on your personality. Yeah. This is the, I'm looking at your, um, your site right now with the, with the different courses that you have for t- each type. So if you already know your type, you can just get that, but your main course too, the any, any RAM and putter, the yep. full thing. Like I, I want to take this because I think it's going to help me be a better leader to the moms that I serve. Um, but also within my house, but also life in general. Um, so for everyone listening, do you want to give a quick overview of it? And then we can tell them the code if they want to get it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I'm in the process right now of writing a book, which big spoiler alert, but, um, yeah, that's like my big thing right now. But I, um, I took the framework that I had been developing over the past few years and articulated into like a seven module course that you could go through to learn. And it really breaks down an overview of the Enneagram. So, you know, some of the common questions are like, I don't really know the Enneagram. Do I need to know the Enneagram? You don't. But if you do have a foundation of the Enneagram, it goes a little bit deeper. So we really kind of dissect what I feel are some of the key pieces, parts of the Enneagram that specifically resonate with the through line with clutter. And in my, in my work, in my framework, before the Enneagram, I talk about different types of clutter, physical clutter, which is the stuff that you see, your emotional clutter, the stuff that holds you back, and then your calendar clutter, that time management piece. And so I look at how each one, and we walk through the different types and how each one of them relates to physical clutter, emotional clutter, calendar clutter, based on their characteristics of their type. And then we go peel back like another layer. We talk about kind of the orientation to time, the past, the past, oriented people, the future oriented people, the present oriented people, and how that, that orientation plays into your clutter habits or, you know, your, why you have a predisposition for doing certain things. And then we look at the other thing, which is a big thing that is a, is what we call the three centers of intelligence, which is thinking, feeling, and doing. So we use within each one of us, we all think, feel, and two to make decisions. But when the within the Enneagram, you have two centers that are dominant and then one that we don't use that often. So we were saying like, for example, with me, the eights, I don't use feeling that much. And so we look at how those centers, your thinking, feeling, and doing play into your decision-making process, specifically with clutter. And again, people that are feeling dominant, how do I get past that hurdle of the emotional attachments? What are the specific strategies that I can use knowing this about myself? So again, not using it as as an excuse to say, well, I'm an eight, sorry, I can't do this or whatever, but to say, okay, I know this about me. I know that this is an area that I need to kind of work on. So what are the, what are the strategies? What's the roadmap that I can take to help me to have a language 
to articulate because a lot of times frustration comes from just not knowing how to articulate what you're feeling or what you're going through. <laughs> and then I'm just looking at the, I'm just looking at a like, naked kid running in the background. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm sorry. I had it. Um, but all, but again, to then understand if you are a mom and you're working with your kids, even if you don't know your kids type, even if they're little and you're like, I don't know my kids type, that's fine. If you know your type and you can understand, like, these are different, some things I know my kid right now is struggling with some emotional clutter. You don't have to know their Enneagram type. You just know that they're struggling with this. What are some strategies that I can apply to help them and reduce the, you know, help them get through it without the yelling and the tears and the shaming like I did. So <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, hold on. <laughs> Pause for a toddler stampede. No um, problem. I was taking notes as you were talking and you, you covered it all, but that's, those are the things that I was thinking about is like, if you're stuck with your decluttering and you can't make progress, you can figure out if you can help or figure out how to identify why you're stuck, right? Is it because you're dealing with resistance from your family? Cause maybe you're coming on too strong. Maybe you're stuck on just in case because you know, you, you're really worried about that for whatever the type would be for that. Um, struggling to find the time and prioritize that. I'm like, these are all the things that I see all the time, struggling to just make the decisions. Seems like if you can identify your type would be really helpful in problem solving those solutions that you have. And they're probably tied to your type. Yeah. And, and so again, my goal with this course or the mini course, so I did the master course, which I really encourage people to take just because it, again, I think relationally, it's really helpful to see, to learn about the other types. And because there are, like I said, connection points to other types, um, it's just nice to understand, even though I gave an overview, but to go a little bit deeper, but even if you want to just start with your type, if you're, you know, if you're not, if you say, you know, let me just test the waters, it just gives you more strategies. And ultimately that's what we need. We need strategies that we can apply simple strategies that allow us to, again, not white knuckle these things, like make this so that we can incorporate this into our life. And it's just another tool in your toolbox. It's not like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden my clutter is going to go away or all these things, but it's just like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Maybe I could try this. And just even tweaking how we approach things with language is really, um, it can be completely eye-opening. Yes. I Oh my God. I love it. We, but you, they've been on the call because we have been on back-to-back calls. So your kids have been great. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So everyone listening, we have, we've done like two really solid episodes for you two. Yes. I will link, I'm going to link your course and I'm going to put a discount code because, uh, Oh yes. Discount code. Yes. The discount code is MS for motherhood simplified 10 MS 10. So you can go there and get 10% off any of the courses. If you want to buy multiple mini courses, if you want to just buy the master course, whatever it is, and I'm going to keep it live. I'm not going to put an expiration. So you guys can just go in and, um, I hope you guys find value in it. Yes. Thank you so much for that. I'm definitely going to go check them out. Um, like I said, for everyone listening, I want to learn this so that I can help you more. Um, I see it. So I see the connection so clearly. Um, 
And then I'm going to link back to your podcast too. Yeah. I was just looking at the date it's and, and your, the date yours is going to drop will be the end of this month. So it'll be March 24th. So we'll make sure that we, you have all the things so that you can link to it and share it with your people. And then is there anywhere else that you would like them to go other than your site? Your yeah, podcast? I mean, yeah. The, my podcast is called this organized life if you want. So, um, because I sucked at branding. So I have my company called it. So I have my company called simply be organized and my podcast is this organized life, but you can link up to all of it at my website, which is simply the letter B like boy organized.com. And I know Crystal put that in the show notes. So there you can find me all over social and the podcast book courses. You have some really great um, people on your show too. Can you, how good is my mic? Can you hear the toddler in the background? Very faintly. It's not bad. She is so loud right now. Is she? No, she doesn't sound loud at all. It's very, very, very faint. Well, my husband took our dog for a walk because again, I've been on calls or interviews all day and he finally started to be like, I think he was like, that's enough and started barking. And so my husband was kind enough to, I think, take him for a walk. So hopefully. I love it. Well, thank you so much for this very thorough episode. Um, I, I'm so excited about it. It was so helpful. Um, everybody go check out her links to get more support in this. I think if you're stuck, it can be the thing that moves you forward. And thank you for being on the show, Lori. Thank you, Krista. And again, thank you community for listening and for showing up. I appreciate it. Hey, before you go, I have a question to ask you. Would you please leave me a five-star review if you are listening on iTunes? It helps me grow my show and reach more moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. If you love the show, I would love it if you shared something specific that you find valuable or helpful or that you just enjoy about listening to this show. It would mean the world to me if you took time out of your day to do that. And while you're at it, head over to motherhoodsimplified.com to listen to more podcast episodes or check out our Facebook group, Instagram, just to connect on social media. If you love these episodes and if you love this show, please tag me. I love to connect with you over there. Podcasts are kind of like a one-way conversation where I feel like I'm talking to you and with you. But when you tag me on social media, I feel like we can take that one step further and actually connect with each other, which is the whole point of me starting this podcast and community in the first place is to be able to connect with moms like you who are wanting to declutter without becoming a full-blown minimalist. So tag me in your Instagram stories. I'm motherhood underscore simplified. Check out the motherhood simplified Facebook group or head over to the site and just find even more blogs, podcasts, decluttering courses to help you continue on your decluttering journey. Thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon.